Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Tuesday, August 15th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. It's going to be a sizzling Tuesday in Riverside today with a high of 97.6 degrees, and overnight lows will dip to a milder 72.9. If you're planning your day, it's going to be a scorcher, and we've got some hot news stories to match. In political headlines, former President Donald Trump is making news again with a fourth indictment in four months. This one coming from Georgia, related to his role in an attempt to overturn the 2020 election results. And if that's not dramatic enough, we have more related news as Trump and his associates are facing further indictment charges in Georgia. Moving on to the world of finance, cryptocurrency exchange Binance is fighting back against the SEC, filing a protective order in response to what they're calling overbroad requests. Switching gears to some grim news, a wildfire in Maui has escalated to become the fifth deadliest in U.S. history. The death toll now stands at 99. We'll have more details on this tragic situation. In a more hopeful twist, a landmark ruling in a Montana trial has set a precedent in regard to government responsibility concerning climate change, affirming their duty to protect citizens from its harmful effects. And finally, in the world of sports, there's nothing like a nail-biting semi-final in Women's World Cup action, and Spain secured a historic victory against Sweden. We will share more on this thrilling game in today's episode. That's a quick snapshot of what we'll be diving into today on Alex's News, so be sure to stay with us for all the details. Our top story this morning centers on former President Donald Trump, who has been indicted by a grand jury in Georgia. According to the Fulton County District Attorney, Fonnie Willis, the indictment is linked to his direct involvement in attempting to overturn the state's 2020 election results. Let's turn to our correspondent, Elias, for more details. Elias? That's right, Connie. This is the fourth indictment against Trump in just four months, and it involves 19 defendants in total, among whom are Trump's lawyers Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman, as well as his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. These are severe allegations, Elias. How exactly do these charges implicate the former president? They are indeed, Connie. The indictment accuses Trump of leading a wide-ranging conspiracy to undermine his defeat in the election. In simpler terms, it's implicating him as the leader of a criminal organization and an enterprise. Charges include solicitation of a violation of an oath by a public officer in relation to a phone call with Georgia Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, urging him to find more votes for Trump. That sounds quite serious. In layman's terms, Elias, how would you explain this charge? Essentially, Connie, it boils down to Trump allegedly trying to persuade an officer to break their oath in this case, by pressuring Raffensperger to overturn the election. It's definitely in unchartered territory legally. What else is cited in this indictment, Elias? Well, Connie, it doesn't end there. The indictment also points to a series of alleged crimes committed by Trump and his associates. This includes false testimony to lawmakers about election fraud, potential tampering with voting machines, a breach of a voting system, harassment of an election worker, and even an alleged scheme to submit false slates of electors. That's quite a list, Elias. Now, how exactly has this indictment been brought or under what specific law? This indictment, 
Connie, has been filed under Georgia's Racketeer-Influenced and Corrupt Organization, RICO Act. It's a unique case considering it's the first time a former U.S. president has been charged with a crime. Georgia's RICO law allows prosecutors to pool multiple people who are allegedly committing separate crimes but aiming for a common goal. Could there be any potential implications for Trump's future? Most certainly, Connie. This indictment could impact Trump's base of Republican support and his potential campaign for the 2024 presidential election. This is especially due to the weight the RICO charges carry. Trump, however, has pleaded not guilty in three other criminal cases and denies any wrongdoing in the Georgia charges. Seems like it has wider implications, not just for him but also the Republican Party. Absolutely, Connie. Georgia is a politically competitive state, and the charges against Trump and his associates could shape the 2024 Republican primary race, where Trump currently holds front-runner status. It's going to be very interesting to see how it unfolds. As always, thanks for the in-depth report, Elias. Sources for this report include NPR, Reuters, Al Jazeera, CNN, Roll Call, and PBS NewsHour. We're on to our second story for this segment, and it involves one of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, Binance, taking on the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. For this, we have our business news correspondent, Grace, who's been following this development. Grace, can you bring us up to speed on what's happening here? Absolutely, Connie. Recently, Binance has filed for a protective order against the SEC. This response is in direct relation to the SEC's request for information, which the exchange argues are overly broad and horrendously burdensome. Binance's case is that it's provided ample information to the SEC already, and the current demands go beyond the scope of the lawsuit posed. This protective order, what exactly is it? A protective order, Connie, is a legal decree limiting the manner, scope, or timing of discovery. In layman's terms, it's a legal tactic to limit the amount of information Binance must share with the SEC. Binance is specifically aiming to limit the depositions from its employees to four and prevent the CEO and CFO from having to be deposed. Now, this comes following a lawsuit filed by the SEC against Binance and its CEO, Changpeng Zhao, right? Correct, Connie. In June, the SEC filed a lawsuit accusing them of operating a web of deception among several other charges. Binance, however, vehemently denies these allegations, going as far as stating that the SEC has not provided any substantiated evidence of any misuse of customer assets. They believe these requests for documents and depositions are unrelated to the lawsuit, terming them as a fishing expedition. And this protective order isn't just being sought by Binance itself. Their American arm, Binance US, has also sought a similar order. Yes, that's right. It seems like Binance US is also aiming to limit the extent of the sex discovery in their case. They share their parent company's view that the sex requests surpass the agreed scope in the consent order, again referring to it as a fishing expedition. Any reports about how the SEC is responding? The SEC on its part has opposed Binance's attempts to limit its requests and has so far declined the exchange's motions for a protective order. They maintain they require all the requested information for a thorough investigation into Binance's operations and allegations of securities law violations. How is this development likely to impact the bigger picture, say the tension between cryptocurrency exchanges and regulators as digital assets, continue to gain prominence in traditional financial systems? 
Well, Connie, these circumstances highlight the tense relationship between digital asset exchanges and regulatory bodies, as cryptocurrencies increasingly permeate the traditional financial ecosystem. Questions arise about oversight, regulatory standards, and the scope of investigative powers. These issues certainly warrant close observation as we navigate the relatively uncharted territory of digital finance. Thank you, Grace, for that detailed account. This case is surely going to be a significant one to follow, and we'll make sure to check in with you as the story unfolds. Absolutely, Connie. I'll continue to follow this case and keep you and our listeners updated. Story number three today involves a significant indictment in Georgia, a deadly wildfire in Hawaii, and a landmark climate ruling in Montana. Our correspondent Ethan is here to talk us through each of these developments. Ethan, let's first look at Georgia, where we understand there's been an unprecedented development involving former President Donald Trump and his allies. That's correct, Connie. According to the Associated Press, former President Donald Trump and 18 of his associates have been indicted in Georgia for alleged attempts to overturn the state's 2020 election results. The indictment classifies Trump and his team's efforts as a criminal enterprise intended to maintain his power. What were the specific charges outlined in the indictment? The charges are varied, from pressuring Georgia's Republican Secretary of State to seek votes for a Trump win to urging local lawmakers to ignore voters' will and appoint new electors. The indictment even implicates a lawyer from Trump's team in a plot to tamper with voting machines. There's an overlap with Trump's Washington, D.C. indictment that alleges disruption of the electoral vote count at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. It's worth noting that the Georgia case stands out due to its broad cast of defendants and the scale of the alleged criminal conduct. I see. And how has Trump's legal team responded? His counsel has condemned the indictment, stating that it's biased due to deploying witnesses with personal and political interests. They've also claimed that the process was rigged. Defendants have until August 25th to surrender and the district attorney hopes to schedule a trial within six months. We'll certainly be watching that case closely. Let's now move to Maui, Hawaii, with a wildfire that's turned tragically deadly. Yes, a truly tragic situation, Connie. As ABC News reports, a wildfire there has claimed at least 96 lives, qualifying it as the fifth deadliest wildland fire in U.S. history. Local authorities have compared the destruction to that of a war zone or bomb blast. It's a significant and somber milestone as this fire surpasses the fatalities of recent major wildfires in California. Is there any indication of what caused the fire? The cause remains under investigation, Connie but a combination of drought-stricken landscapes and strong winds fueled the fire. Meanwhile, frustration keeps growing among residents unable to access Lahaina, the worst hit area, as search for potential victims carries on. That's a truly heartbreaking situation in Maui. Let's turn now to Montana, which has witnessed a major legal victory for climate activists. Yes, indeed, Connie. In an unprecedented ruling, a Montana judge sided with young environmentalists who claimed the state was violating their constitutional right to a clean and healthful environment. NPR reports that this decision delineates that it's government's duty to protect its citizens from climate change, a truly groundbreaking ruling. What ramifications could this ruling have on the state's policy? The court found the state's policy of evaluating fossil fuel permits without considering greenhouse emissions to be unconstitutional. The onus is now on the state legislature to rectify this. It will be interesting to observe Montana's next steps, an entity known for being fossil fuel friendly with a Republican-run statehouse. 
I can imagine this would be hailed as a significant victory for environmental groups. Absolutely. Environmental groups regard this as a huge win in the fight for climate protection. The state does plan to appeal this ruling, dubbing it absurd, but it surely represents a landmark moment. Thank you, Ethan, for that thorough analysis of all three stories. These events certainly underline the persistent political, environmental, and legal challenges our society currently grapples with. We appreciate your input. So, Chloe, let's dive into our fourth story of the day which revolves around the world of soccer. In the 2023 Women's World Cup, there was quite the thrilling semi-final match. Can you tell us more about it? Absolutely, Connie. It was indeed an intense match with Spain securing their place in the tournament final by triumphing over Sweden in a close 2-1 victory. This, indeed, is a historic victory as it marks Spain's first ever appearance in the Women's World Cup finals. Wow, that sounds intense. Was there any particular moment that stood out? Yes, Olga Carmona was instrumental in securing the victory, scoring the winning goal in the 89th minute, just when folks thought the match might head into extra time. That was a truly epic moment. Now, both of these details were covered extensively by the Sydney Morning Herald. So, give us a sense of how the game played out. It was a high-paced, closely contested and exciting match. Paraluelo initially gave Spain the lead in the 81st minute. But within minutes, Blomqvist from Sweden equalized, setting the stage for Carmona's late match-winning goal. The Guardian did an excellent job capturing this exciting back-and-forth with their detailed live blog. Can you say a bit more about the tournament itself? Of course, the Women's World Cup 2023 is jointly hosted by Australia and New Zealand. It features 32 teams that were drawn into eight groups. ESPN has a wonderful article detailing the tournament's bracket and fixture schedule, which paints the bigger picture. Spain will be heading to the final. Who are they expected to face there? That's right, Connie. They will face the winner of the semi-final match between Australia and England. I've also heard there's a lot of betting around this World Cup. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, indeed. WAFB Channel 9 covers this topic in depth. To provide an example, Spain entered the semi-final against Sweden as the favored team. It's also worth noting that the over-under for the match was at 2.5 goals, while the teams had been averaging a combined 5.2 goals per game before the semi-final. That's fascinating analysis. What can you tell us about the players who stood out in this semi-final match? Certainly, Connie. Spain's success has been heavily influenced by the trio of Aitana Bonmati, Jennifer Hermoso, and Alba Redondo whereas Amanda Eilestet and Fridolina Rolfo were key for Sweden's campaign. Their performances have been essential to the progress of their respective teams in the tournament. Thank you so much for your detailed analysis, Chloe. It sounds like this historic moment for Spain came from a thrilling and closely contested match. We look forward to hearing more about the final. The pleasure is all mine, Connie. The final is bound to be a momentous event. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, 11 Labs, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.